2: Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella, which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. Po- I'm Diosa Femme. And I am Mala Munoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast hosted by us, Mala and Diosa.
3: We're two IG friends turned podcast partners, breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up-and-coming Latinx creatives.
2: Known as Las Locatoras, Las Mami meten Bullshit, The Porcasteras Next Door, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas, we've been podcasting independently since 2016, and we're bringing our Radiophonic novela to the My Cultura Network to continue sharing stories from the Latinx community. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 7. Take, Take us, to us to your, your network. network. Hola, hola, Locamores. Welcome back to another capitulo of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I am Mala. You're tuning in to capitulo 16160. one
3: sixty. Can't believe it. We're just racking them up. Last time on Locatora Radio, we interviewed Ile. She was here performing in L.A. Very fun interview. Go ahead, take a listen, leave a review and share with a friend.
2: Yes, and don't forget, you can follow us across all socials at locatora underscore radio. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook.
3: Visit our website, locatoraradio.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, Besitos.
2: So today, we have a super-packed episode for y'all. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of everything, basically. So we want to catch y'all up. And first, start by telling y'all an April Fool's joke that Mala played on practically all of Latino Hollywood.
3: It was really fun. It was really good. I can't lie. The joke hit. The joke landed. I mean, people were gagging on this gag. Yes. I couldn't be more proud. I woke up on April 1st and I like sent Diosa a voicemail and I was like, I don't know. I just really want to make like a fake deadline article today. I'm like feeling called to do that. It's pilot season, so everyone's Mm -hmm. dropping their deadline articles. They're dropping their news. So I just slid ours right on in there. I, like, got on Canva, like we do, and worked my magic and put it out. And, like, people were very excited for us.
2: So let me tell y'all about the deadline article and the headline that Mala wrote. Las Pochadas, Hollywood Film Greenlit at NSK, Mala Munoz, and Dios FM to star and co-executive produce.
3: Now, I also wrote like a couple paragraphs, so I'll just read them to you in case you don't follow us on the gram, which you should be at this point to keep up with this stuff in real time. Exclusive, Mala Muñoz and Dios FM of Locatora Productions LLC will write and co-executive produce the upcoming NSK holiday film, Las Pochadas, set to premiere during the network's Nisaben Film Festival production on the project began on wednesday muñoz stars as zoe a rising podcast personality who returns home for her family's annual posada when the family matriarch falls into a coma after a tortilla chip factory fire the success of the posada falls onto zoe's shoulders an unrepent pocha who speaks terrible no good god awful spanish she embarks on an adventure to save the family posada and the world with a little help from an unexpected christmas miracle I don't know about you guys, but I would watch that movie, first of all.
2: I would 1,000% watch it. And I think that that's also why a lot of people fell for it, because it sounded like something we would make. People are definitely expect us to work in film next. So it just all made sense. However, there were some clues to give yeah. away that this was a joke. So the first one is that you dated it March thirty second, 2023.
3: And let me tell you, a lot of very well-respected journalists did not catch that. No. <laughs> That was my favorite. To all the journos who follow and who listen, we love you guys. We're obsessed with you. We love your work. But I just think it's hilarious every time we pull one over on you. I really do think it's so funny. Mala
2: feels really good (laughs) when we can trick the journalist.
3: I'm always like, the journalists are falling for it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And, And also, like, tell us about the author. Who wrote this? Oh, so I pulled, like
3: you know a screen grab from an actual deadline article and then I I replaced the author photo with the photo of Mae West and then I took her birth name which is Mary Jane West and I translated it into like a Spanish Maria Jaime Oeste. Obsessed. Obsessed Um, and then NSK stands for No Sabo Kids and so this deadline article I wrote very pointedly because it's on the heels of a viral moment that Diosa is at the center of. <laughs> we were on a podcast. Shout out, Ayi and Friends. Shout out, shout out. Go check out that episode. Ayi and Besties, I should say. They have two shows. We were on IE and Besties. And of course, um, as happens in any Latinx conversation anywhere, we start talking about No Sabo Kids and speaking Spanish.
2: Yeah, and so... Yeah, I, that was, like, the recent happenings of, like, why this joke was also, like, so funny. Because, like, <laughs> if you followed what was going on that week, it's, like, you knew, like, the Nisaben Festival, Nosabo Kids Productions, like, the whole thing, right? It's so good. And so we were on this podcast, like Mala mentioned, and I don't know how it even came up. Like, we we weren't talking about No Sabo Kids, but the one of the hosts asked us, one of the hosts, Stephanie, asked us about Nosabo Kids. And so... You know, I explained that there's a history of violence in the US where kids were being beaten and paddled for speaking Spanish in schools and so to pretend that that didn't happen or to ignore it like erases the lived experience of people of that generation. And to me, I'm like I got my facts. I got I got some nuance, I got some some like I'm defending the Nozabo kids and of naturally this is the clip This is the point of the interview that they took Mm -hmm. and turned it into a clip, as many podcasts do now. Mm -hmm. And it went viral and i inadvertently became the face of the nosavo kids
3: you're like the patron saint of the nosavo kids right now <laughs> like the defender of the nosavo kids like diosa took several bullets for us y'all and the funniest part is diosa speaks perfect spanish like diosa's spanish is exquisite but let's get into the nitty-gritty of this moment first of all super viral i mean we're still getting comments yeah. as of this morning it was like
2: in the 200,000 views like thousands of comments at this point and it was so funny because at some point, like, I started just responding to people in Spanish. Hell yeah. <laughs> Porque ya me tenían harta. Me tenían super harta. So I was like, okay, vas a ver, entonces. I'm going to come in the comments and we're going to talk about this in Spanish because apparently that's so important to you.
3: Yes. The most
2: important thing. So hay que hacerlo en español. Toma. More important than
3: watching the clip and listening to what you're saying. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. People have to, like, respond before actually, like, comprehending and having their own critical thought. And so we wanted to highlight some of the comments that we were kind of sending each other (laughs) over the past
3: week. Dude, first of all, nuts. Can I just say unhinged? Because part of reading through the comments leaves me unsure of like, what do you people want? And by you people, I mean you Latinas, you know, the community, end quote. What do you want? Because it, it ranges from oh, you guys have to stop being victims and and be responsible for yourself and learn language, learn Spanish and get rid of your self-hatred so you can speak to your grandparents. Like, you have to learn Spanish. You have to love yourself, you know? There was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot of, we're not even Spaniards. We speak indigenous languages. None of them are indigenous. None of them speak indigenous languages. Mm-hmm. None of them, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like a very odd mix. And at yeah. the end, I'm left like, uh, Question mark. Yeah. I don't know what any of you want.
2: It was super pol- polarizing because there were even in my in the clip, I say something like people get mad that we don't speak our quote native languages. And so then people were mad that I said native. But it's like I said a quote for a reason, mm-hmm. because I recognize that that's not the native language originally of the people of the Americas. However, I am not going to claim to be an indigenous language speaker because I'm not. Mm -hmm. So Spanish is actually my language as well as English. It would be disingenuous of me to say, I'm going to go learn Nahuatl. When my, the region that my family's from, they didn't speak Nahuatl either. You know, and so to, to say, to even say that that's so, like for me, if I were to have said that, it would be so phony and so wrong and historically inaccurate because that's not where my family's from. Mm-hmm. my my grandparents didn't speak an indigenous language for the folks that did grow up with grandparents that spoke indigenous languages yes you have that experience and that story 100 percent. i cannot claim that mm-hmm. so you can't project that onto me
3: there was and there was a lot of that happening yes projection yes and what we saw is like people do not listen the clip is not even that long it's mm-hmm. like less than a minute These folks in the comments were not watching the clip. They were not listening, but responding with such anger and like such like intensity and a lot of words, paragraphs on paragraphs. Yeah. And it's part of a much larger conversation we were having on the IE and Besties podcast. Mm -hmm. Like they seem to want all of linguistics and history in one clip.
2: They want it in 30 seconds because that's all our attention spans can really handle these days sad and so they want you to say every single thing possible and say every single possible angle and experience even if it's not yours in 30 seconds or less yeah which is impossible yeah and so you know we obviously saw this as an opportunity to create our own episode Mm -hmm. and have our do our own research and bring on our own guest to talk about the history of language violence and talk about No sabo Kids, and even though you know we recognize that the people commenting, they're never going to listen to this episode. No, they're never, they're never going to listen to that IE Besties episode. They're never going to do their own research. We understand that, and this is, episode isn't necessarily for them, but more so like seeing this locator Radio as what it is, which is a radio, which is an audio archive, mm-hmm. and we're contributing to the audio archive.
0: Mm-hmm. By having
2: this be in existence. Because you can't say, well, I haven't learned, I haven't found it. Well, it's right here. The, the, we're going to break it down for you right here in this episode.
3: Yeah. And this is, you know, we're going to cite all kinds of sources that are have been in existence for a very long time mm-hmm. and accessible. What we always try and do is break this down to, okay, what's the institutional issue here? <laughs> uh, education in America yeah. is very faulty. I can't blame our entire community for not having access to proper history and education. But it is reflected in these comments, and it's very upsetting and frankly disturbing.
2: In addition to all the negative feedback, there were also hundreds of comments of Mm -hmm. people sharing their own experience with language violence, their grandparents' experience with language violence, things that happened in the 90s, things that happened last month. Even just scrolling through the comments and seeing other people's experiences that reflected what I said would show you, oh, wait, there isn't actually a vast experience broader than mine. Right. And all I have to do is read these comments. I don't even have to go read a book. Mm -hmm. I can just read these comments and maybe learn something today.
3: No, totally. And so at the crux here is we have a, a large number of our community has no idea that we have faced generations and generations of language violence in the united states yeah and that many of us have been here for many many generations and what happens is that language gets lost or it gets transformed right and so for those listening too if you're not familiar with the term no sabo kids i feel like it's kind of a very online term maybe it's like a gen z adaptation of pocho yeah right this is the the terminology we use now no Mm -hmm. sabo kids
2: Yeah, and, like, the no sabo comes from the word saber. Mm -hmm. And when you conjugate it, and if you were to say, I don't know something, yo no sé. And so the reason that it's no sabo is because if you don't speak Spanish or you haven't learned the correct, like, conjugation, you're going to, instead of saying, because if you say, for example, hablar, the right conjugation for the yo is yo hablo. And so in your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, it's no sabo Mm -hmm. because hablar, saber, right? Right. But no, that's, that's no sé. And so that is like where that also comes from, because a lot of people would speak it and would say it, you know, quote incorrectly and would say no sabo instead of no se And that's how like it became no sabo kids.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's also like, look, all over the country, you have communities where people speak Creolized languages. Mm-hmm. You know, their English is mixed with French is mixed with other things and that's what we speak here we speak like an amalgamated version of spanish Mm -hmm. it's spanish and english it is spanglish like we have like a little regional dialect thing going on here. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, sure, it's grammatically incorrect, but you know what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And that's about. the
2: thing. It's like you know, well, you still know the, like, the point that I can get across. And if I were to go into the street and say that to someone trying to find directions, and no I'll say, sé, you know, and I said no sabo, you know, like you would probably understand it. You would know what I'm getting at, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. And, and I think, too, like speaking of like transformation growing up, like Spanglish was looked down upon in my in my family mm-hmm. with my parents with my dad specifically because he didn't he didn't like it he said it you you sounded like a pocha right mm-hmm. i don't think he used that word but he didn't like the idea that like your spanish wasn't perfect it wasn't correct what have you now i've noticed that both of my parents actually my dad is still like p- primarily spanish but a veces se les sale the Spanglish very like very seldomly but it happens and my mom speaks a lot more Spanglish now too mm-hmm. and so even within my parents who are of an older generation seeing them transform and how they view Spanish and oh Spanglish is okay because it's so normal now especially in Los Angeles everybody speaks Spanglish yeah and, and again like we have to let languages evolve
4: there are some things that are too good to keep a secret
2: It's wild. Let's get into some of these comments. Yeah, one of my favorite comments, and it's actually not my favorite at all, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, One of the more outrageous comments was actually from a señor, because I had to go look at his profile afterwards. And so he says, like, I don't know where the girls are getting their input and exposing as if it was a norm that moms and dads are not teaching their native language is nothing but BS. And so I had to respond to this man in Spanish. Yes. And I did.
3: What did you say in Spanish?
2: Something along the lines of like I get tener compassion para la la comunidad or la gente que perdieron el diciendo. He responded in English.
3: <laughs> of course, of course he probably this fool probably doesn't even speak
2: Spanish. It was great. And they're just like some just also very simple comments of like dumbest shit I've seen all week. And that's just stupid.
3: I, and you know and you know you guys it's look we've been online long enough people will use any opportunity to pile on and talk shit to beautiful women it's true on the internet they just need an excuse they just need a reason they're like dying to do it mm-hmm. and I see that's all those comments where this this is just stupid dumbest thing I've, I'm like you're just enjoying the vitriol oh
2: yeah oh yeah to dive into it you know i do want to give a disclaimer that we're focusing mainly on the southwest Mm -hmm. um but we know this history is broader than this region but we're citing a lot of things that are specific to california texas and the, the american southwest
3: yeah and there's a lot of layers to this history i mean of course like we can go all the way back and we can start with this was native land and it was and there were uh, tons and tons of native languages being spoken here in northern mexico what have you we have spanish colonization we have in the, the british we have manifest destiny so we have all these things circling around And as much as it's not true for everyone, that statement of we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us, that's not everybody's history. But it is a history for many millions of people, you know. So let's go back. Uh, Schools segregated, including in the American Southwest, not just in the South. You would see segregation even in businesses and signs in storefront windows like no Negroes, Mexicans or dogs allowed. You can Google these signs and they'll pop up, you know.
2: Yeah, and there were specifically like schools just for Mexicans, you know, we think of segregation and we think of Brown versus Board of Education, which obviously was monumental in desegregating all of schools in the United States. But prior to that, there was also um, Westminster versus Mendez. And so that was actually Westminster's in Orange County. And so in 1945, along with four other families, the Mendez family filed a class action lawsuit against four Orange County school districts. And their goal was to ensure that all children could attend California schools regardless of race because there were Mexican only schools. And so this was in 1945 because they successfully sued the school district. This set precedent for Brown versus Board of Education, which later went on to desegregate all of the public schools in the U.S. And so 1945 was not that long ago. Like I have to reiterate, even though people may say like, well, I grew up in the 80s and my parents got here in the 60s 1942 was not that long ago
3: no it really wasn't and my family was already in california before 1942 my father's grandparents immigrated from chihuahua to bakersfield and then uh continued on three generations of farm workers in bakersfield the language loss has been happening since before, since way before 1942. And so my family lived through all this stuff in a lot of ways. Th- that's why we speak our Spanglish. I mean, we know in the United States we had indigenous, we had Indian boarding schools. The goal was to eradicate indigeneity, including language. Mm-hmm. There was a similar but distinct process in the American Southwest. Where, although, as we know, not all Mexicans are indigenous, you do have a sort of like Hispanicized, Mexicanized, ethnically indigenous population, similarly being put into segregated specific schools to extract language. Like this was done intentionally and systemically and rather successfully, right? Um, you had a school, for example, the Blackwell School, uh, built in 1909, segregated until 1965, which again, not that long
2: ago, super recent. My mother was born in 1955, y'all. Like, that was not that long ago. Like our
3: parents lived through segregated schools yeah. in the United States, like through that period, through that history. So the Blackwell School served the Latino-Mexican community of Marfa, Texas, and was declared a historic site in 2019, again, very recently, to preserve a part of American history, which had been signed, which was signed into law in 2022. So again, this is American history, and part of the history of America is like de-Hispanicizing, you know, Mexicans, Latinx people, Spanish speakers, and stripping our language from us. Yeah. Fast forward, you now have the the, the conundrum of the Nosavo kid, which right. is not a conundrum at all. We know exactly how this happened.
2: Yeah, there's yeah. a map. So when I found the Blackwell School, you know, and saw that it was declared a historic site, it technically falls under like a national park site
7: mm. because
2: it the school is like still intact, and so it's to see like this is what a segregated school looked like. This is what a Mexican-only school looked like. So it's quite literally to preserve like the also visuals of like mm-hmm. this is what it looked like. Like, this is what a Mexican-only school looked like. And it was actually at that school, um, one of the reasons that it was be part of this, like, historic site declaration is because um, this is one of the schools where children were paddled for speaking Spanish. And so there's this LA Times article, and uh, we're going to link it in our show notes, and some of those, the, the adults now that went to school there at the time shared that their teacher made them have a funeral for Spanish. Uh- so she wrote on the blackboard the word Spanish, had all the kids write it on a paper. They went and put it in a box and buried it because Spanish was no longer allowed to be spoken at this school. They had a f- literal funeral for Spanish. That's nuts. And so one of the kids was like, no me vas a quitar el español, yo voy a seguir hablando español. And she paddled him in front of everybody. And so they all learned they couldn't speak Spanish at school. And so later these same now adults go back and they have this very beautiful ceremony where they're burying a Spanish dictionary because mm. they all have Spanish. They've reclaimed the Spanish. Wow. And so this is a very powerful, beautiful article in the L.A. Times that we're, again, we're linking in the show notes. So again, to show like there not only is there this historical site, but there's also still people alive that experience that violence in schools. Totally. Growing up my dad
3: would tell me stories all the time about when he was in elementary school, the kids that had Spanish accents and spoke English with an accent would be placed in the special ed, the special education classes as if they had like a learning disability. Right. You know, so there was a direct impact on like their educations and their futures, their their prospects just because of speaking with an accented English. And so what we're also talking about here is like multiple layers of language loss where those of us who did have an indigenous language being spoken in the family, that was eradicated and replaced with Spanish. And then that was eradicated and replaced with English. Right. And so what we're speaking now is not only whatever remnants we have of our Spanish, but it's also whatever remnants are are left of our past indigenous language that we might have spoken at some point.
2: Right. 100%. There's a rumor in my family that our last name on my dad's side is actually a a quechua last name and that my grandfather changed it to like a spanish surname intentionally and so there's no record of this this is like family myth Mm -hmm. i don't know like if it's true and none of my family talks about it but when i was in peru my tia was the one that told me and she was like my grandfather's cuñada, like his sister-in-law so she knew like the family history and they all grew up together And so she was the one that told me this. And she was very much like, but don't really tell people because like no one wants to talk about it, you know, because what does that mean? That means we have to talk about, oh, guess what? Our grandfather was an indigenous man. Yeah. Right. And same with my grandmother. And so to your point, like there's various losses that have Mm -hmm. happened depending on where you're from, depending on your family history. And I think, too, this speaks to like the culture of silence in Latinx, Latino communities if we don't talk about it it never happened so these people that say like oh I've never heard this oh this isn't true probably because you, your family has never talked about it or they haven't yeah. experienced it like there's so many different things happening at the same time
4: there's no distance too far for the perfect trip
2: hi checking in for
4: or the perfect table
3: hey where are you
4: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card.
5: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it.
4: And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
5: Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty.
3: Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things happening at the same time. And I think sometimes when we're not getting our proper look, uh, the the banning of books, the attacks on ethnic studies, Arizona, Texas, they have been the Mexican-American and Chicano communities and black communities down there have been fighting for years now to retain ethnic studies, black studies, Chicano studies specifically. These programs have been in place, these books have been, you know, like accessible to the students down there. And there's just been a constant war to eradicate that education. And when we don't have that education, like that's the only place where this history is housed, yeah. realistically. You have to take a Chicano studies class mm-hmm. or an ethnic studies class yeah. or a Mexican American studies
2: class to get this. And I think like at that point, you know, if you're an adult, right, and you don't know this history and a young, a young adult, right? Like if you're thinking of a linear path of you go to community college or a four year at, at eighteen, right? It's kinda too late. Like yes, the Chicano Studies classes are important. The the Mexican American history, Latino history in the US, one thousand percent. I one hundred percent advocate for that. But it's also I feel like it should be a part and I know that there's movements to make it a part of K through twelve education, right? Yeah. Bring ethnic studies to middle schools as well.
3: I think in Arizona it has been. Yeah. yeah. And
2: I and I think um That's also why we're seeing, like, the critical race theory. Like, as if that's actually being taught in schools. What's being taught is history. American history. Chicano history. uh Uh-huh. Black American history.
3: And, you know, I think that we've talked about this in the past. There's so many Latino Chicano people in, like, Border Patrol, in LAPD, in the prisons and corrections and working in positions of, like, oppression I think part of there's like we've talked about this right there are white Latinos there are white aspiring Latinos and then there's like white behaving Latinos and if you are completely disconnected from all of this history and you have no idea the likelihood of like being brought into conservative ideology, conservative values, white supremacist values and thoughts is so much higher. And I think the community is so much more susceptible to buying in to white supremacist thought when we have that fluidity almost Absolutely. to opt in or to fight against it. And I just think like, between the schools and then also like our parents I think a lot of times we have parents who want us to just like go with the flow Mm -hmm. you know blend in don't I think a lot of older parents don't want uh, us to feel like we're victims you know right so then it means what talking about these things is like like talk to like we're complaining
2: right yes
3: and that was some of what was in the comments Mm -hmm. too. quit complaining this is exaggerated, you guys are exaggerating, you guys are making this up.
2: Look at these 70-year-olds that are still recounting being beaten in schools and tell them that they're exaggerating. You can tell me I'm exaggerating, but don't go and tell our seniors, our literal ancestors, you know, our elders that they're exaggerating, you know, like that we're not doing that. And I think like acknowledging like there's also you know people in position of power that advocate for only English right from doctors to school teachers to speech pathologists when I told my mom that we were producing this episode she was telling me oh yeah you know there my brother you know is in his 40s and so in 1979 he was in kindergarten and the school was pr- was concerned that he wasn't pronouncing his words right so they referred my mother to a speech pathologist, and the speech pathologist said, well, you should just pick one language. Hmm. That's why he's having a problem. Now we know, right, the research shows that being bilingual has so many benefits to your brain, to your development, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But at the time in 1979, which again was not that long ago, there was a speech pathologist advocating for to learn one language. So what did my mom pick? She picked English. And right. so my, my brother and I, even have entirely different experiences with Spanish because my brother would be like more of a pocho Mm Mexican-American Spanish speaker Mm -hmm. because we have different fathers we have different experiences right and so even in the, the own our own family we have a very different like understanding and use of Spanish
3: and Spanish really is learned at home and in your family That's the only way you're going to learn how to speak Spanish the way your family speaks Spanish. Mm -hmm. No class on the face of the earth is going to give you that Spanish language immersion, the vocabulary, the cadence, the tone, the inflection that you learn from repeated exposure every single day since from the day you're born. Like there's also in the comments on this reel is this like, you got to take it upon yourself. You, like, take it upon yourself to learn Spanish. Take it upon yourself to learn Spanish. I've been taking Spanish classes my whole effing life in school. You know what I mean? My parents have been speaking to me in English since I was a baby, right? The only person I really speak Spanish to in my family is my grandmother. So there's that piece. If your parents are not speaking to you in Spanish at home every single day from the day you learn to acquire language, you're just not going to speak that fluent Spanish mm-hmm. that people want you to speak you right. know.
2: there's also people that choose to not speak Spanish because maybe they're ashamed maybe they're embarrassed there's internalized racism that's its own part right mm-hmm. and that's that's a, a a byproduct of white supremacy yeah. like to be clear and then there's also assimilation and you know we can't pretend that this country even now systemically supports or encourages cultural differences when we still have people saying go back to your country yes. go back to where you came from yes for people that speak other languages so like we're living in like a- an increase in like asian violence anti-asian violence you know folks that speak their languages in the asian communities right experience violences mm-hmm. um people latinx folks obviously black folks like mm-hmm. there's there's just an array of things happening right now so to pretend that like oh it's safe to be like culturally different. It's not, not. it never has been. You can maybe live in communities where yes, like in your living in Los Angeles, you have your pockets where yes, you can like feel culturally grounded, but to pretend that that happens everywhere is false. It's false. And you can go back
3: and on the piece on indigenous language erasure and all of this, something that I find so interesting is like, we literally, we interviewed Odilia Romero of My Cielo. Go back and listen to that episode and hear from Odilia about indigenous languages, language violence, and Spanish. That is like the context that I see, like nobody in the comments is tapping into that reality and that conversation. And it's a lot of first, second, third gen, Mexican-Americans, right, Chicanos, whatever, very um, committed to, well, we're natives and we speak a native language, but none of those folks in the comments speak a native language, right? you know, um, and they're not hearing that conversation from indigenous communities. They're not hearing it.
2: Yeah, and she talks about the history of language violence in Los Angeles, specifically towards indigenous people and the assumption that anyone that looks brown... Is Mexican or is Latino and speaks Spanish when that's not the case. And so she talks about her advocacy work that she does with Cielo. And just to wrap up about the idea and bit that, like, Latinos are actually, like, not all Latinos are immigrants and not all Latinos are quote foreigners, especially when you think about the Californios like people that have been here yeah. before this was Mex- when this was Mexico before it was the US people that have been here for generations like your family mm-hmm. like so can you share a little more on that sentiment
3: I think this again goes back to like where are we learning American history and like understanding our place in California and I sometimes feel like folks who are more recently immigrated maybe have absolutely no idea that we've been here for that long it kind of in the comments reflect that for me Um, that there seems to be this gap in in knowledge as far as our timeline. I am. I don't. My grandmother is my most recent immigrant story in my family, in my family, my grandmother. My mother is not an immigrant. I am not an immigrant. And on my dad's side, like immigration happened so long ago. It's not a conversation. It's not a part of our reality or our experience. When my grandmother shares things here and there, absolutely. But my grandmother also came here when she was 16 and the tallest building was City Hall. I was doing research. My grandma was here before the Dodgers got here. She was here before the first star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame was laid. I mean, I can continue. You can, you know, all the things that have been introduced before the Lakers got here, all the things that have happened in LA since then, like she was here before all of that. I think that it's like we're part of a continuum here. Mm-hmm. And I just the reason why people can speak Spanish at work and in school today is because we were not allowed to speak Spanish. You know, my dad speaks terrible Spanish, was not allowed to speak Spanish growing up, but he was lobbying and protesting and walking out and sitting in and getting cracked over the head with batons and all that stuff so that you guys could speak Spanish so you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) the next time you see a pocho just say hey thank you thanks (laughs) you know what i mean i don't know i just there's bigger fish to fry i feel like with latinos we Mm -hmm. always come down what do we call ourselves and what language do we speak
2: yes we cannot get back we cannot get past that
3: it's the basics and it's
2: so sad and like it's very much like a mess there's no how can there be unity in this vast non-monolithic community when people are still arguing that you're not Latino enough because you don't speak Spanish. Because you're not a real Latino because you use Latinx or A. Or you're using the, the the colonizer's language. You know, what have you. <laughs> why people are calling you Latinx. No. Yeah. People have been... Latin Americans have been using Latinx and A for decades now. For decades. So shut up. You um, know, it's yeah. like that's why we cannot... Advance as a community, as a broad community, because there, we're still fighting about the same shit. <laughs> Who we are.
3: Who are we? (laughs) We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. What are we called? What language do we speak? Those are like the basics of being a human. Like, (laughs) what's my name and what language do I speak? Like, we haven't figured it out. And let me just say this all these people in the comments, you need to speak Spanish. You need to speak Spanish. You need to speak Spanish. Why do you want me to speak Spanish so bad? So you can annoy me into languages? So you can bother me bilingually? (laughs) Mejor me quedo pocha.
4: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com
5: slash with Amex. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
2: Right. I mean, and I think also, too, like, I feel like a, there's a deep insecurity there. Like, I am so secure in who I am and my family's history here. And even in my language, you know, a veces sí se me tragan las palabras because no hablo el español todos los días. You know, I get that. That's the reality of being here in the U.S. Like, you do start to lose things. And like, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. But I'm also so secure in that that I don't need to be in the comments saying, I do speak Spanish. No, I do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not me. Because Mm -hmm. no, like, I don't care if you think I speak Spanish or not. The point is, like, you're going to criticize even the pochos, even the no sabo kids that are trying to learn. Oh, the minute they get a word wrong, you're going to you're going to tease them. You're going to criticize them. You're going to bully them. It's never going to be enough for you. Never. And that's why I don't care if you don't think I speak Spanish or if you care that my quote opinion is wrong. Yeah, this is historically accurate.
3: This is just true
2: this is just
3: what happened yeah totally it's like real there's a real nastiness there's a real pettiness Mm -hmm. that comes out when you make mistakes in spanish oh yeah and people love to 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 just like revel in that especially online you guys don't want us to learn spanish you don't care you don't give a shit about our learning (laughs) teach your
2: own kids spanish be concerned about if spanish if that's important to you if it's being taught in your house or not but don't go and put that on other people um, because I was also the face of this, I felt super called to also one, produce this episode with Mala and two, like also get testimonials from our listeners, testimonies from our listeners, especially the Sabo kids, and hear more firsthand, like how this language erasure happens. And so we're gonna play a couple today. We got over a dozen and so we're gonna break this up into two episodes so if you didn't hear yours today you might you will hear it on the next episode so to start um Gia from Ontario Canada she grew up in Canada she says I grew up in North America and was born in Ecuador and she tells us about growing up with no
8: Latinos around her I was born in Ecuador Guayaquil and my parents moved here when I was almost one years old, so I've basically spent my whole life in North America, and my experience being a no sabo kid is basically there were no Hispanic people around us, so no matter what, we were forced to learn English. I am actually trying to relearn Spanish now uh, because I have a little two-year-old boy who I just want to give him this gift of our culture, you know, a way to communicate with all of the relatives that he has in Ecuador. And it's just such a gift for me, too, to be hearing and learning and speaking Spanish again. It just brings me peace and connection to my grandmother and other ancestors who have passed it's just an amazing gift and it's awful that anyone has experienced any kind of negativity with speaking their language
3: Paula Saremba born in Virginia resides in Maryland she is a transracial adoptee and is actively trying to reconnect with her culture
9: Am I a nosabo kid La verdad es que sí, a veces y depende. I was born in Northern Virginia and Spanish was my first language prior to foster care and adoption. And over time I lost it. So I took Spanish classes in middle, high school, and college and have accepted it will probably be a lifelong process to reconnect with mis culturas, and that means Spanish too. It's painful and difficult to be othered by non-Latin people and then also by Latin people in some cases. It's also hard to feel I have to explain or justify why I didn't grow up around Spanish and that I'm an adopted Latina to new people that I meet because my story of forced family separation and cultural separation is deeply traumatic to me and a story I would rather share when I feel comfortable and safe
0: with someone new.
2: Dr. Renee Lemus of Las Doctoras podcast from Lakewood, California. She's an ethnic studies professor, and she tells us one of the reasons Spanish has not been passed down and why it continues to happen now. She also shares why language is not the only cultural marker.
0: You know, I'm a professor. I've taught in ethnic studies and, and chicanex studies, and I talk a lot about this um, this idea of why um, oftentimes the Spanish language hasn't been passed down for generations, and absolutely, um, the historical context that um, Diosa was giving is absolutely right. There were what was called Americanization programs, where there were, it was government-funded programs, often led by Protestant churches, and they would go into. Um, So we're talking about in Texas, um, right after the Mexican-American War, and they would go into um, Mexican communities um, and particularly target the women and children and um, encourage the uh, mothers not to speak Spanish to their children. Um, And they would kind of do these weird trainings where they would teach them how to Um, they would discourage them, not just from not speaking Spanish, but from also uh, cooking their traditional foods, is I think that a lot of people get caught up too in that, um, um, you know, the, the Spanish language is so much a part of our culture. And it is, and I do think on some level, it is important. And yet, it's not the only thing that is part of Mexican or Latinx culture. There's so many other things, you know, food and traditions and customs and, um, you know, family values, there's just so much to it that I think when we only put the emphasis on, like, you know, that language is the only way that we can preserve our culture, um i think it negates that there's so many other things that are a part of our culture people today are still being discouraged from teaching their children spanish so my best friend um who had her her child was preemie and she's raised in a bilingual household and um it seemed like she was having some speech delays and they were saying well it might be because of the two languages that she's learning and it's going to confuse her um when in fact all the evidence all the research shows that that is not the case that in fact children up to seven years old have the brain capacity to learn multiple languages so of course, I immediately sent her all these articles and all this research in order for her to give to her doctor to show that that's not going to cause any kind of speech delays research does show that there might be speech delays up to like a year or two years but that eventually bilingual or multilingual children will um will catch up um and that obviously um I always say that knowing multiple languages is like a superpower so um yeah so I, I wanted to make the point and I had another friend who was told immediately after birth um sort of question, like, you're not going to teach your kids Spanish, right? And we're talking, like, in, in the hospital right after birth. Um, and because my friend is also a doctor, it was also able to um, bring in research and evidence to tell the doctor, like, no, that's not, you know, uh, yeah, it was able to kind of push back against um, this doctor's racist remarks. But of course, it had me thinking how many vulnerable Um, people are being told by, you know, this by doctors um, and being made to feel like, well, the doctor must know best. Right. So this is not something that's just a part of our history, but something that continues to happen. um, And that there's there's a lot of this rhetoric.
3: Brianna Quintero, a.k.a. Brie Burrito, currently lives in the IE and she is a second generation No Sabo kid.
7: It's hard for me to summarize my experience because I'm like second generation, no Sabo third, if we're really thinking about it. And people are always surprised to hear this because one, they're like, that's a thing. (laughs) And two, they're really surprised that both my parents are actually like Latino, Latine origin. From my personal experience growing up. I definitely was bullied, if not girls try to fight me, just because I didn't speak Spanish. I grew up with a lot of friends that spoke Spanish. I grew up with my grandmother that spoke Spanish, but again, that's where the generational things come from. She's from Texas, and she felt so ashamed about her own Spanish because she spoke Spanglish. If she knew someone could speak English, she was going to speak English because she felt ashamed that her Spanish wasn't quote-unquote proper enough. But, you know, it's going to be a hard pill for some of y'all to swallow. You are not very welcoming and if not hostile to people who you think should speak Spanish. And we'll, if an Anglo-American says they want to learn, you know, open arms, the most patience in the world, you know, happy, gleeful. But when you see someone who is of Latinx origin, Latinay origin, Latina origin, they don't speak it, you turn A lot of people, so don't get personal, We will turn into this hustle. Oh, so you think you're better? You should already know.
2: Jenna Palacios from Pomona, but currently residing in Long Beach. She's a reformed no-sabo kid.
9: So I would consider myself a reformed no-sabo kid. I grew up not learning spanish spanish was not spoken in my home um however my extended family speaks spanish my grandparents speak spanish um my dad just didn't feel like it was useful to teach us spanish he didn't think that we would use it in the future he felt that english was going to be the dominant language so pretty wild because now that i'm fluent in spanish i speak spanish literally every single day i consume primarily latin media latin american media books Music, so um, I know he's really shocked about that. So my family has a pretty strong history of um, assimilation, and I think when we look at assimilation, you know, it's it's sad in especially in the context of like poking fun at Nosavo kids. You know, you're losing your cultural identity, you're losing touch with your roots, and um it's violent. And, you know, it's just like our history in the United States with Indian boarding schools, um, really all of that cultural ethnic erasure, erasure that happens. And now I don't really feel that a lot of people think about that because they are just so focused on assimilating to survive. Um, so my grandfather, Um, His family was from Texas, um, South Texas, and they were there since like the 1600s when it was Mexico. Um, He grew up being bilingual, but he um, supposedly attended Mexican segregated schools and the kids were punished in school for speaking Spanish. My grandmother is from Mexico and um when they raised my dad and the, his siblings they spoke primarily spanish and they learned english in school um you know like many kids do and um my dad probably won't admit it and I am making assumptions here and based off things that my mom has told me that he's told her I don't think he had great experiences in school I think he experienced a lot of racism in his young adult life and so I think that's why assimilation for him was so important and something he put a lot of work into.
3: Marissa Reyes raised in Bakersfield she shares her experience with us.
1: Hi Diosa. Uh, hi Mala. My name is Marisa Reyes, and I'm a Nozabo kid. My mom's family is from Mexico City, and my dad's family, um, his dad is from somewhere near Zacatecas. We don't really know exactly because she was fleeing an abusive relationship. Um, And my dad's mom, uh, her family is from... Texas from when it was still Mexico and so I I joke that the border crossed her Um, and it is really prevalent my abuela's experience in talking about my relationship with Spanish so my abuela grew up in the Great Depression and she talks about having gone through the American education system and how discriminatory they were, how they refused even to hire bilingual folks to help out. So my abuela actually went through kindergarten, I think she said for three years, um, because they just wrote them off as like just not being intelligent because they didn't speak English. My abuela was hit by teachers, like literally forced to sit in a corner with like a dunce cap kind of thing on um, for speaking Spanish. Um, and when I've talked to her about my experience of struggling with not knowing the language she and, you know, I grew up with uh, around a lot of other Mexican kids and they were more first and second gen Whereas my abuela had been in this country for a long time because it used to be Mexico. And she did not like that. Even though she like would love for me to know more Spanish. She was like, then they don't know their history about what we've been through in this country. My abuela was incredibly active in the Chicano power movement. Um, and raised her kids to be so proud to be Chicanos, and my abuela is a very proud Tejana.
2: Rebecca Ruiz, aka from Mercado Poco a Poco, just moved back to Texas, and she shares why her mom chose not to teach Spanish to her and her siblings.
1: My parents were not kids who got punished in school for speaking Spanish. That was the experience that my tíos and tías might have had but my parents specifically growing up in the 60s on the border were not punished for speaking spanish with them it was more that they wanted our lives to be easier so they we wouldn't have to learn english in school and they just assumed incorrectly that we would learn spanish later in school of course here we are in our 30s and we still can't speak spanish So again, I do understand where my parents were coming from.
2: So thank you, Locamores, for tuning in, for engaging. Let us know what you think of this episode. Please comment. Please subscribe. Share with a friend. Share with anyone that's maybe doubting this part of U.S. history. Let us know what you think.
3: Yeah, share this with your most ignorant cousin. Oh, my God. (laughs) I didn't say that. I did. You can (laughs) quote me. You could be like, Mala said I should send this to you. (laughs) Because you're ignorant. (laughs) You might like this. No, um, you know, send it around. Send it to all your friends and family, everyone you're dating, everyone you used to date. (laughs) Like, everyone should hear this, honestly. That's what I think. And um, visit our website, locatoraradio.com. You can send us voice memos, like, all the time.
2: You can send them on our website. Mm -hmm. We have the infrastructure there. We have a speak pipe, so you can submit that way. And we will catch you next time. Besitos. Besitos. Locatora Radio is a production of Locatora Productions in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts,
3: listen to the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Besitos. Locatora Radio.
9: A, a radiophonic, radiophonic novella. Novel.
3: Hosted by Mala Munoz
2: and the OSAF Femme.
4: And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card,
8: right this way,
4: it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here.
8: And I'm Austin Hankwitz.
3: We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.